0: You're listening to the Feed the Ball Podcast with me, your host, Derek Duncan, Architecture Editor at Golf Digest. With me for Episode 87 is Architect Scott Hoffman. In the careers of golf course architects, there's almost no such thing as an overnight success. Hugh Wilson, who was tabbed to design Marion's East Course with no prior experience in 1910 counts, as does, 85 years later, David McClay Kidd who Mike Kaiser selected to build the original course at Bandon Dunes precisely because he had such little experience. He was cheap, Scottish, could easily be fired, and brought to the team his father, Jimmy Kidd, a more experienced greenkeeper from Glen Eagles. But behind virtually every other Starburst breakout is a long tale of work, turmoil, experimentation, career changes, and apprenticeships. It took Tom Doak over a decade of scraping by before he broke out with Pacific Dunes. Bill Coor began his career in the 1970s. Sandhills didn't open until 1995. Tom Fazio worked for and with his Uncle George throughout the 1970s and early 80s before he began building his own courses. The same story is true for virtually every designer there's ever been. It might seem like Scott Hoffman has come out of nowhere with Lost Rail near Omaha which opened in mid-2021, to wide acclaim and finished second only to Gil Hanses Ladera for Golf Digest's best new private course of 2023. Hot on the heels of Lost Rail, he's in the midst of designing and constructing Mapleton in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, a golf-only club on a lovely, rugged piece of land similar to Lost Rail. Suddenly, Hoffman is one of architecture's hottest properties. The reality is Hoffman is no different than most of his peers. He spent roughly a decade working for Tom Fazio's organization on Western U.S. projects and was instrumental to the process to a degree that surprised me, as you'll hear in the podcast. When his co-workers David Kahn, Feed the Ball Episode 74, and Tim Jackson, Feed the Ball Salon Volume 12, left Fazio to open their own firm, Hoffman joined them in the background, helping provide direction and expertise at places like Monterey Peninsula's Dunes Course and Scottsdale National. Even though Scott Hoffman's name might be new to many of you, there's a long resume behind his design career. His new solo work, however, at Lost Rail in Mapleton is loud enough to pique the interest of other developers interested in hiring him, and the prospect of being lured into more potential new jobs is threatening to disrupt Hoffman's plans to wind down or slow down his architecture life the same way it wound up, quietly. You're going to like this easy but also very smart conversation with one of the profession's most talented sleeper cells who at last has been pulled into the spotlight. Enjoy, this is me and Scott Hoffman. I think I've seen you've done a few podcasts before. Are you a podcast guy? Do you listen to podcasts? Uh,
1: no. I mean, I've done one. Uh-huh. Um, I'm a, you know, I'm I'm not uh, a great. I don't enjoy speaking, you know, publicly and stuff. So I don't usually do them. Um, I seem to be fine when I do them, but uh, I don't do a whole lot of them. Uh-huh. So unless I'm asked, person, I don't usually do them. So. Yeah. Listen to podcasts, yeah. or are you? Uh, yeah, a little bit here and there, but. Yeah, I need to do it more because um, I have a lot of dead time, you know, traveling and all that, and it's it's a good way to pass the time. And you learn a lot. So
0: I've gotten to the I, point where I I can't do anything idle without a podcast going on. Whether it's <laughs> whether it's you know driving for sure, uh, yeah. whether if I'm you know doing a load of laundry, uh, I, I started going on like really long walks because I hate running. And yeah. I mean, yeah. so I'm just trying to load up on podcast material. So uh, the, this, our podcast that we do will, is going to help a lot of people pass some time doing whatever, <laughs> whatever they need to do. We'll see. Hopefully. Yeah. So. Yeah. I started listening to one. Uh, there's just so many different topics too. I really listen to golf. I don't listen to golf podcasts that much, but a lot of people do. But I started listening to this one. It was about the uh, assassination of JFK. And right. uh, they're just kind of breaking it apart piece by piece and trying to prove that uh, Oswald didn't act alone. And uh it's just, you know, the all whole all right. world of podcasts out there is, is fascinating. There's just oh, yeah. something no, I, for I,
1: every interest. Yeah. yeah, I think there's I probably touched one or point zero zero one percent of it. So yeah, it's it's crazy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it must have been a uh very satisfying thing for you to go back to where you kind of grew up and went to school and build Lost Trail. Uh, so close to Omaha that's kind of like your your native ground so to so to speak how how did just what was that experience like being you know touching earth so close to home
1: um a little bit surreal obviously um you know I don't know it, it came about kind of um by luck or or even almost a joke so um we uh my cousin lives there and he's a writer for the Omaha world herald. who used to be, um, really talented kid. Um, I should say adult now, but, um, <laughs> I knew him as a kid. So, yeah. mostly. um, so, you know, he was kind of a closet golf course architect and, um, we used to, uh, I used to send him stuff from Fazio, some, you know, Topo and, you know, and different deals and routings and stuff of what I was working on. And, um, so I kind of was, you know, moving on from the Jackson con thing a little bit and, uh, Semi semi retired and so um I was setting up some stuff on Omaha, I found some topo in the land, in the area that you know had one foot contours of Douglas County and Sarby County around that area because honestly I grew up playing there and um you know, I started <laughs> rerouting some of the courses that are there that I played, you know, the public courses and some of the private ones and trying to make them better right. and sending them to all that. Anyway, one thing led to another and and we found or I found a piece of property down South Omaha and and sent him something and he goes, Send me a location, I'll go check it out. And I'm like, I'm not serious about this. I'm just kind of doing a routing and and so he went and checked it out. And um Yeah, obviously it didn't happen, but then that led to a a bigger deal. And, And to answer your question, I guess, you know, um and we can get into that more later, but um it's just it's just wild. You know, I never anticipated doing a golf course there, but always wanted to do one and always thought you that I would, but at the same time I didn't, you know, I just, the the courses that I went out and did Fazio courses, we are always in these, you know, second hand, second home areas of like Coeur d'Alene or Lake Tahoe and um, Palm Springs. And, you know, it it doesn't exist in Omaha. So um, to have an opportunity to do a, a private club that's, you know, everyone lives there and, and, um, it's just golf it's it's crazy so
0: yeah yeah is there is there a there must be obviously a market for golf in omaha for another club that's what we're finding yeah. out now is that every place there's demand demand is up even in small markets yeah not that I think small he, but
1: yeah before covid there was a demand and and we started this process right before covid hit um because the last private club that was built in omaha was uh, deer deer creek or players club which was 25 years ago. Um, I guess 28 now or so. And every club was full. Um, they all had waiting lists and no one had tried to do a new one. Um, and you know, and, and the players club is a, is a residential and most of the ones that, you know, were done in that time frame were res- residential area? The, they were trying to make money for homes and sure. a lot of values and all that. And, um, you know, certainly there wasn't just the, the golf only club in that area. Um, unless you went to Sand Hills or, you know, up to um, Valentine, which is five hours away. So, yeah. so anyway, that, it, it, the market was good for it and then uh, COVID hit and then we were kind of going, well, I don't know, did we stop or do we keep going? You know, we hadn't started construction, but we we had got the interest out there. Um, and we were trying to find investors and we weren't sure investors would jump on it. Cause we, you know, you didn't know where things were going. And um, so we tried to get, uh, members we started throwing out interest you know would you join this if you put down a a small deposit would you would you be willing to join this? and the uh, response was crazy um you know we had 100 members in in a month or so um i think we started it you know in the spring by july 4th i mean we were more than half full of what we were looking for and you know we haven't started construction we haven't really got i was still changing the routing um we didn't have our investors yet um but it just kinda of went went crazy um because of the interest, you know, that it that it made sense. So you came into your know,
0: asking price for it was too low, apparently. <laughs> I,
1: but it wasn't, you know, that was crazy. So um and I you know, I'm gonna throw out some numbers I believe are true, but Omaha Country Club, which is kinda you know, Stalworth has been there forever. Um, that they played the senior open in the last you know, twice in the last, I don't know what it is, 10, 12 years. Um was somewhere in the 25 to 30 range um and we were starting at 25 so we were right at the top of what the omaha market was Mm -hmm. um and then it just went up from there you know because we had to slow it down um and find the right you know number that made sense but i think the the small we were were kicking out a smaller membership so when COVID hit no one could get a tee time because everything was full you know every golf course was just um Crazy, there was, a, there was a club in town that they, they limited how many times you could play there in a week, which I've never heard of in my life, but that's how much play was going on and it was understandable. Um, so when we said, we're gonna have half the members, basically, I mean, we're, oh, we're about 270 single individual members where, you know, a normal club's 400, 450, of family. So, you know, there's a thousand people that can play golf. We're, you know, basically 270, you know, they have guests and, you know, you can, Get a family member on for a lower price and stuff, but generally the people that can make time was only about two hundred seventy. Well, people love that; they're like, "Hey, I can I can get on and play when I want to play." That's nuts, Um, you know. And then we didn't have a pool, and we don't have pickleball, and we don't have that kind of stuff going on. We're just golf, and I think that's what appealed to many people.
0: It sounds like there is just a demand, a pure demand for golf, any kind of golf. But mm-hmm. and, and you know, not to sell your talent short, but. You're not uh Tom Fazio, you know, mm-hmm. you're not a Gil Hans at this right. point. You're not Jack Nicholas. Right. There did that didn't seem to be any hindrance to attracting people to play this course. Did you did you did you did you have to do any kind of selling by by showing <laughs> prospective hole designs or things like that to generate interest, extra interest, or was it just gonna be there no matter what?
1: Uh a little bit of both. Um, you know, I'd say we picked a really good piece of property and, and, you know, to I guess continue where I was going with, um, my cousin Dirk Chatlin is, you know, we found a piece of property on on Zillow actually that was out near that area. And it was decent when we looked at it and we got Bill Kilby involved from Landscapes Unlimited and, and uh, we made an offer on it and it kind of fell apart. And then my cousin went kind of crazy and panicked a little bit and started going and almost knocking on doors before we found this property. <laughs> right. Um, and basically, you know, he and I sat in this, you know, this kitchen table with this, this lady that was fantastic. And she's like, you know, a, developers that approached her and um, and she's she said, no, I don't like concrete. I don't want homes. I, I you know, and we said, well, we're doing golf. We're not going to do any homes. And, you know, she was like, you know, we're not going to have a whole lot of concrete out there. And she goes, well, I could go for that. So the point of that is the the piece of property was fantastic. I mean, it's it's wild it's it was hard to tame a little bit um it's not big so that made it even harder you know you can't kind of work off the hill somewhere you're 155 acres of of you know pretty severe property um but (laughs) the clubhouse view that we found it's you can see for 30 miles and you can see um you know the elkhorn river and the platte river in the distance and um we got, I don't know, a third half of our members just getting there. <laughs> you know, you just stood them up there and said, here's where we are. And you know, and we're 15, 20 minutes from the center of town and 45 minutes from, from the airport, from downtown Omaha. But you feel like you're five hours away. Mm-hmm. Um, you feel like you went to Valentine, you know? And so people going out there and getting in the country and, and you're saying there's gonna be no homes and you got this view, they're like, I'm sold, you know? And I'm like, <laughs> you know, I thought yeah, I I I'm not bringing much to the table here. You know, I don't need to. You know, um, they they were fine with what it was. The other half, or so, you know, you know, explain explain where I'd done projects before at Gaza Ranch and and Martis Camp and Pronghorn and you know Shadow Creek and all that stuff. And you know, they go, okay, well, he, you know, he must know what he's doing somewhat. Um, and then yeah, I did some sketches and stuff some 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 of the stuff David Kahn does a lot of you know some rendering of, of the property of a, you know, a 13th hole or, you know, a fourth hole and what the green would look like. And, and it looked, you know, I could portray it well enough. I'm not as good as, or talented as, artist as he is, but. He's pretty good. Um, yeah. Um, but I, I can do it well enough that they, they got an idea mm-hmm. that Wait, this is different than anything in town. This is more like we see when we go to a destination um, with no homes in the land. I'm like, this, this is going to be, you know, good enough, you know, for, you know, to take the risk on it. So.
0: It's funny that you mentioned that that your cousin was just kind of like scouring land for opportunities to, to to purchase something. It's that just strikes me as like that's the era that we're in with golf course development is is yeah. it's not it's not about the location; it's about the land, and and you can get it anyway. Like Michael Kaiser would will go on Google Maps or Google, mm-hmm. yeah, and and just like look at satellite views and try to find like mm-hmm. big pockets of sand dunes and then mm-hmm. go into the record books and see who owns it. And it's usually some rancher somewhere and, yeah. you know, go through yeah. and then see who's yeah. willing to to buy him or to, to sell the land to him. Yeah. That's
1: it. No, I, you know, and he does a whole you know bigger project and it's for public, which is, you know, every, I'd love to do public, but it's hard to do. You know, you have to have some kind of backing on that. And, and, you know, obviously he's got the history of it, but um, yeah, I've done the same thing. You know, you kind of look around, even after this and, and Mapleton, you know, is the same kind of deal, but, even from that, you know, I've been, you know, we go to Fort Worth a lot. My wife's a uh, TCU uh, alum and fan. And so we go to a lot of TCU sporting events, but I'm, I'm looking around Fort Worth, you know, on Google going, you know, Hey, there's a ranch, you know, that's not far from town. You build a golf only club. It would probably work, you know, the way the w- things are right now. Sure. Um, you do a residential, that's a whole nother risk of, you know, bringing in and where the housing market and all that goes. But, you know, I think you can find, Just about anywhere, two hundred fifty to three hundred people
0: that just want golf, yeah, love golf, and would join that kind of club. And that's the lost Rail model, right? I mean, it's one hundred and fifty acres, give or take, and that's Mm -hmm. enough that we're to fit eighteen holes, a clubhouse, driving range, Mm -hmm. and a you know maintenance facility. It's and but 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 even that 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 still doesn't leave you much room for the golf. You do have to kind of arrange it in a certain way. How is it to to Route lost rail into that footprint considering all the ravines and things that cut through it yeah. that must have been somewhat of a jigsaw puzzle and had you had much experience routing golf courses before on your own
1: yeah um so routing is kind of my thing a little bit I mean i, I golf course design whole thing but my specialty if you had you know some people are better at you know um, shaping some people are better at um you know, communicating on a site or, you know, or speaking like Tim Jackson's a wonderful speaker and and can sell anybody, and and, and with truth and honesty to what he's trying to do, um, I, I, I love to route. Um, so when I started with Fazio in 2000, um, I got thrown on a, a job Birds Ranch, which is now a dormy Network course, um, early on, and, and you know, it could show that I could handle the field work and I knew what I was doing and, and that, um, about, Another job after that, I kinda of went to Maribel from there to do the renovation of that. And and Dennis Wise in our office, I think realized, you know, because I started doing some routing stuff, realized that, you know, I could probably help on that end. Um, so I ended up doing just about every routing from two thousand one to two thousand thirteen, um, when we closed up our office for the West Coast Fazio. Um so I did, I don't know, 150 different routings and the reason I think he, he, um, wanted me to do him and like what I do is I don't quit on it. Like it's, uh, you know, like it's a crossword puzzle that I don't, I won't put down until I finish it. Um, so I, I work on it at two in the morning, I work on it, you know, and I, and I go back out to the site and I come back and I keep making adjustments. And I, I just kind of quit till I feel like you've utilized the pro property to the best of its ability, at least the best of my ability. Um, for every feature that it has to make the connections the best to have the 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 way the holes work together is extremely important um it's not just putting 18 holes down it's figuring out how your long fours your short fours your fives how they all work together um so it tells a good story that, that leads you along um that makes it a great experience you know that you can remember after you're done like all that goes into routing um, in my opinion, I think some people just route a golf course, they get 18 and they go, okay, there you go. Let's go figure out how to make it great. I just never put it down. So, um, so going, you know, fast forwarding through that whole thing, I've got a ton of experience in routing, even though I, you know, some of the projects when I worked for Fazio, I didn't end up doing the, the finish work like shooting star or Madison club. And some of those, you know, were, we had to totally create the the environment that we end up building golf course, but some of them, I'm not, you know, Gaza ranch isn't a great piece of property and trying to utilize that. I remember, you know, I guess jump a little bit. Example of um, never putting it down. We had started construction at Gaza Ranch. And I was walking the site one day, we were marking clearing and all that. And uh, two, three, four, um, five, I didn't like how it was going. I mean, it fit, it was good holes, but I felt like there was a better way to do it. So I ended up reversing those holes, you know, after we'd started earthwork. And then, you know, we had to blast and do other things while we were there. But um, I just, you know, that, that's not totally unusual, but that's just something I ended well, what up always was, doing. What
0: were you seeing that wasn't satisfying? Oh, um, so, you know, without having to map in
1: the holes, but um, two was fine. It was a part of five to put out to the cliff edge, but then it was, it was three and four and how you got back up. Um, It went down. um, There's, you know, 40, 50 foot vertical rock formations that you play up against or along. And the shots were all kind of going down. It was so the the rocks were on the left and the hillside was going down to the right, which ended up all the way down the lake, um, which is a long way away. But. It felt like um, the rocks weren't fitting right with what was there, and land was going, you know, counter to the way you were trying to dogleg around the hole. And and I'm a, I'm a I love counter holes, but this was too much, so um, that didn't work right. And then I didn't like how you had to get out of it um, up into the the fifth hole, um, and then where a wetland was. So a lot of that all doable, but just not as good of holes. And when I reversed it, you know, it opened up. Um, one of the most photographed holes which is the third is part three that plays down the lakes on the left yep um and four is a really really fun cool short four I mean it's under three hundred um but a lot of things can happen on that hole in the way it's on the rock and then I think five turned out to be a really strong good part four and that mix of holes was a better mix than the, the previous version so fast forward to your question uh lost rail so in the lost rail um no. So routings, you know, I felt very comfortable with and and I, you know, started with routings to see if we could do it, had a good topo map to work off of. And then we got out there and walked around and, you know, you start messing with it, messing with it. And um, no, it's a difficult site, but there is a the more we kind of opened up the, the bottom part of the property where the ravines are, you start to realize that there's 10 to 12 really good green settings down there but you can't fit that many holes down there. You know, you can only get three or four or five. And so, um, and the way the ravines are, you know, to make it playable and to make it work, it just, it took a lot of massaging, um, a lot of late nights, early mornings of waking up, you know, at two in the morning going, Oh my gosh, how's this going to work? You know? And so then I I get up and I start working on it, working on it. I make a joke because at the end, um, when I finally kind of got the routing where I wanted to, I felt sleep and I slept for like 14
0: hours, you know,
1: <laughs> Yeah. And
0: like and that's how you, that's how I you knew it. it was there. It, yeah. All the pieces fell into place.
1: Yeah. But it, it's tough. I mean, it, it's, you know, there's 150 feet of, you know, it's kind of like an accordion has been squashed together, you know, um, you're trying to make that work. Um, with some some very very deep ravines it was hard um and the hardest hole out there actually is the ninth hole and we've actually adjusted it slightly to make it work even better um but it was always the one i was worried about the most and um kind of had to see some shots get played to see what happened with
0: it but it's a
1: short four and it works great now and it'll be even better next year so. yeah
0: it's, it's just an interesting property and in- an interesting exercise because there are other properties like, you know, you think of sand hills when you go out there and they had eight thousand acres yeah, to use. Yeah. And I almost what do you what do you think 'cause there you just have have almost too many opportunities. It seems yeah, like like a lost rail yeah. site, there is a correct way to put those holes. There might maybe there's more than one, but but once yeah. you get them right it it, the, it it works. But sandhills, you could have put four different yeah. golf courses out there and they might all be just as good as that one. I don't know that for I, sure, but it's possible. Yeah.
1: Oh, no, absolutely. I mean, I'm still in the second green there, you know, sandhills, and you can look around and you just see golf yeah, holes. It goes on you know, forever. Everywhere and bunkers and everything. So, totally. Um, but, yeah, I, I actually, I prefer tough sites. I prefer um, trying to make it work. Um, I guess there's just a feeling of, of um, I don't know. Um, you, you're just excited that you could, t- you could, um you could take on the site and make it to what it what it is today. It's hard to do, um, but it, it's it's more rewarding, I guess. Is what I'm trying to say, um, I it's almost you know sandals would be great, and I would love to do one. Um, there's so many of them now that that have you know with with Caprock and Valley and all those out there. It, I don't know what else you could do to make something look different. Um, what I liked about Lost Rail is, and because it's a smaller fight site, you can actually create something that no one else has ever seen. It can because have you're, you're, it can have
0: a distinct personality.
1: Yeah, you have to utilize what's there, and 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 because of that, it forces you into certain things that are good that
0: are unique. So, on a site that's not like the Madison Club or something where you're, you could be anything because you're you're creating that entire you know footprint of the golf course and the the development around it. Do you start with? Do you look for green sites first? Is that the key to it? Uh, are you are you just looking for available space for fairways what's is there a process that works for you as a beginning point
1: on any routing or just for lost rail on any routing in general yeah yeah no it's i guess it's the same for both um yeah i guess i I usually start and it, it it doesn't mean it ends that way but i usually start with a clubhouse area and an 18th hole and a first tee you know and you're trying to make sure that it's dramatic um it doesn't mean the clubhouse has to have a great view, but I like to make sure that, you know, 18 finishes with a bang, you know, whether it's mostly, you know, it has to have some kind of visual um, interest that's, you know, above and beyond most of what's on the golf course. Because I don't, you don't want to kind of go, oh, that's it, you know, and not to rip on like a Cypress point, you know, 16, 7, 15, 16, 17, you got 18. And it's still an interesting hole, but you kind of go. Oh, you don't even you need know. to bring your clubs
0: to play. Right. You know, let's just walk right. back to the clubhouse after 17.
1: Right. So I, I want to make sure that that finish is good, and then you kind of have to work off. Okay, well, do I have enough room for a clubhouse and a parking lot and the first tee and the driving range, and do I need returning nines and all that stuff? So you kind of start in that core area, um, and then you know, I usually just kind of work my way out. You know, with the last three holes, you know, in the first three holes, and you kind of start fingering out from there. And then, you know, you get out to the end, you go, okay, well, that doesn't work. And you work your way back and, you know, and, and tie it all together. But, um, usually that's kind of where I start, you know, there's a lot of been great clubs, you know, Sandhills, we talked about earlier, you know, where the clubhouse isn't anywhere near there, but we still, I think we're looking for a very dramatic finish, which 17, 18 are. And I think that is important to, you know, a good golf course is it's got to finish with, with that with that but it also has to have the room for the start and you know i don't i'm kind of an old school guy as far as i love the clubs you know out east where everything's the close connections and you know you for uh, sure yeah and that doesn't mean just one to two to three to four it also means from the clubhouse to the first tee to the driving range i don't i don't like to have to put a range that's remote or you know i like that sequence where you're just you're standing you know at the pro shop and you go I can see it was on the range. I can see the first tee is open. I can go, or I'm you know, on the range. I can look over and the first tee is open, and I can go. I like that connectivity, and so I always try to do it. um And I love you know golf holes where there's a tee near the clubhouse. You know, that's right there. Whether it's a tenth or a sixteenth or first, you know, that's that's right there. So I love you know you see that a lot in the the clubs out east, especially or you know Chicago or those kind yeah, of yeah. That's guess, an underrated so.
0: thing about courses is having not just the first tee, but other tees like close to the clubhouse yeah. where you kind of like take a little, little, uh, venture into see who's having a beer on the patio, yeah. like Marion, you know, yeah. you pass the clubhouse a couple of times yeah. and you know, there's that interaction and you, it, and it, yeah, it's the and interaction. It just, there's a sense of like coziness to it as well. You know, yeah. it, it just, it's an intimate routing yeah. result when you can route a course like that.
1: Oh, our, our, our 16th tee lost rail is, you know, it's part three, it's 150 right. yards and the tee's right by the, um, the outdoor patio bar and you know and it's just funny you go up there with a force and you know the first person hits and you get a, a quick realization of people are watching what you're doing or not because if you had a good shot then they clap well then the other three people are now in panic mode because yeah. <laughs> no one's watching them you know hit a shot um but also you know like i said you, you kind of walk over there you see some people on the patio and you're, you're chatting with them and it just those kind of interactions are great and if you can have a few more on the course you know, where you do that again, where holes cross over, not, not, not in flight, but just in, you know, I, I like doing that a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Tim Jackson used to crack me up because if you don't have a, you know, holes crossing over where you go from, you know, five to six and, and 10 to 11 are right in the same spot. Like I haven't done my routing right, you know? Um, so he used to harass me about that a lot, but it's, Those I think it's important. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Was, what was, was Mapleton a uh, similar experience it's a little bigger property if I'm not mistaken. What were the tricks to getting the 18 down on that course?
1: Uh, That was much easier. Um, And that doesn't mean it makes it, you know, better or worse. It just um, a little bit of bigger property and a little less severe indulation. It has plenty of elevation to it, but um, certainly allowed me to um, have a little more flexibility and to make things work. So I got a little more sleep through that process um, of doing that routing, but Uh, it's similar, you know, the reason I, I, I wanted to do it was because it's just another lost rail. They're doing the exact same thing. And and there's so many similarities that, and I knew it would be successful. And, you know, anytime you can do a non-housing project, 18 holes for, you know, more for a purist golfer than, you know, not that a recreational golfer wouldn't have fun out there too, but. Um, If you can throw that in there, it it adds a little more interest to it. It was very appealing to me. Um, That one's even a little more old school because I I do have returning nines, but that one nine green, 10, 18 green are right there. I mean, just right next to the clubhouse, which, you know, may or may not be important, but I like it, you know, the way that works. It just helps, you know, same thing. If you're walking, it just makes it super easy to work your way around. Um, It's a very interesting piece of property i I just we just discovered um recently that there's a ton of sand underneath this property so just one to three feet down you're hitting pure sand Uh, well not pure sand i should say mostly sand Mm -hmm. um we're still testing out to see if it'll you know what will work but um that'll add a, a unique uh look out there that certainly it doesn't exist around there And one I certainly didn't expect, but, um, we're going to have a very good draining property, um, but we can do some more exposed sand, um, which will help the visuals out there a little bit and and obviously strategies too.
0: You said something interesting a a little while ago that you were thought you would, you know, you were retired more or less. (laughs) What did (laughs) you mean by that? Were you really going to not do golf design anymore or were you taking a break or what was the story behind that?
1: Yeah. Um. So it's not that I, I love golf course design. I mean, I I was just thinking this the other day, like, I feel like, um, I'm still new to it, but I've been doing it for 23 years, you know, and I did golf course construction for five years before that. So I've been in this business a long time, but I still feel like it's new to me. It's uh we were in a, you know, I, I kind of got to the point where, um, I was doing a lot of traveling. My, my son was playing basketball. He's in college now on my my both boys are out of the house, um, both in college and, and my wife and I want to do a bunch of traveling and, um, financially we're, we're well off enough that, you know, we don't, I don't need the the paycheck, but so I was kind of like, oh, you know, I'm not going to actively search for jobs. I'm just going to kind of, you know, if it comes around, I'll consider it and take a look at it. And if not, you know, I'm fine with that. We'll just, so that, that was my semi-retired, um, didn't take long to jump off that, you know, retired part and turn into more semi, but, uh, I just love doing golf course design. So it's, it's really hard not to do it. And, but the nice thing about it is I can pick and choose what I want to do versus, you know, have to take, you know, if I was looking for, for to as, as a funds for living, um, I'd have to do a little remodel, a little green here, or, or take on some projects that, you know, uh, I'm, I'm band-aiding things and not creating something amazing, you know, or trying to create something amazing. So that that's what's great about the situation I'm in, and that's the kind of projects I'm taking on, um, and that, that allows me to be semi-retired.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of would-be architects going to get frustrated listening to this. You know, you get yeah. well, as soon as you you know you say you step away and you don't need <laughs> it, you get one oh, of yeah. the one of the good great jobs in America on a great piece of land and roll yeah. that into another one. I mean, it's so, it seems like even you know in spite of your ex- long experience and expertise you know uh, i think a lot of the golfing world is just now getting to know you uh, yeah. and you know and you'll have two top new courses debuting in a, within a span of three years
1: yeah I, I hope well i you know it's not what i was trying to do but um you know the reason i pick them is because i just love doing this and I love i have the freedom to make you know and not be handcuffed or restricted and all that and both these jobs are that way. So if it turns out to be that, yeah, it's it's gonna be frustrating for a lot of people. Um, I got a good friend in the business, I know he's gonna be frustrated with me, you know, cause he's been working his butt off and he gets some great jobs, um, but not like this, you know. Um, and certainly, you know, when he's not trying to get one, he gets it, exactly. you know, yeah. you know kind of handed, the, the first thing in Lost Rail, I. I was a little more invested in trying to find it and be a part of it, but Mapleton's a direct result of you know Lost Rail and Landscapes Unlimited, which you know they they spoke highly of me and and I'm thankful for that that they did that. But it's uh, yeah it's been it's been pretty lucky and blessed. You know it's funny because you know I'm I'm not really doing anything different on these jobs than I did when I was with Fazio. You know when I did Gaza Ranch and when I did Pronghorn and uh at martis camp and those, you know i did the routings i did the grading plans i was there four days a week i was doing the sketches i was you know doing all that was what i do here you know it just in some ways i liked it better because then i didn't have to do anything you know i didn't have to try to sell to get the next project i didn't have to worry about the books i didn't have to you know worry about where the money was coming i was just getting a salary you know so it worked out good i didn't have any you
0: know well, what about, what about control? I mean, I would imagine right now you, you sign off on your own ideas and, and I'm sure with Fazio, everything had to be, you know, you had to show your work and it had to be approved and had to fit into the concept or how that organization yeah. worked.
1: Yeah, a little bit. I mean, you know, Tom would come, you know, and, and a few times, but generally, you know, he could see, you know, after a couple of jobs, if you knew what you were doing or not. And so the, the freedom became more and more each job um, as you went. And, you know, certainly, um, you wouldn't be keep doing that if you weren't doing a good job, you know, that he'd, he'd find something else for you to do, or or you wouldn't be working there anymore, but, but yeah, a little bit of control there. You're always kind of in the back of your mind. It was more your own self-control of what you think he would say. Um, you know, Tom didn't like controversy and, you know, he didn't like cross hazards. And so you're always kind of going, eh, I better not do this whole, or, you know, I better make the screen a little softer or, you know, this, you know, maybe I can't put this bunker right in front of the green kind of thing. You know, I have to adjust it slightly. Um, and not always, but just sometimes you're, you're doing that. Where, yeah, now it's, the freedom's great now. Obviously, I can do whatever I want. Um, but at the same time, I'm, those principles worked well, you know, um, of what was going on in my head and and keeping track of all that. And and certainly those courses turned out really well. And so you you use that and and you have your own um Back of your head, just telling you, you know, just be careful, you know, on some of this. So you're controlling yourself a little.
0: Yeah, I'll be honest. I didn't realize that 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 the fazio would would delegate things like routing to to you or to some of his other associates. I'm sure, in other who are working other parts of the country. Was that typical, or was that something they just recognized that you had a special aptitude for?
1: Um. Yeah, I think. I think. West coast was a little different than East. Um, Tom didn't get out there quite as much, but he had a guy, you know, Andy Banfield does most of the routings for Tom. Um, And, and, you know, I don't know before I was there. So Tom's been in the business forever, you know, since since seventies, you know, so I don't know what he did from the seventies to 2000 um, necessarily as far as who did the routings and, and how much he was there on a daily basis. But, you know, 30 years in you, you do a little bit less, you know, you're the same thing. I was talking about like summary retiring, you know, there's other things in your life that are going on you're trying to give attention to. Um, and he was successful in what he was doing and he had the control and he was hiring the right people. And so, you know, the delegation of that um, probably became more and more as he got further along in the career. Um, but I do think Andy was doing some of that way back when, you know, um, so I kind of was the Andy Banfield of the West coast office when that came around and, I think um, I proved that I could do it really well, and then they're like, "Why, why change that, or why open that up to other people?" If if he's doing a good job with it, I guess is what they were probably
0: thinking. So, what do you what do you think Fazio's greatest skill is or, or talent all through the years? I mean, it's certainly a, there, there's a run from the late '80s through the early 2000s where he was hitting the highest marks, and that also coincided with a, a time in architecture and and. The consumer appreciation of it that was very specific his those courses Mm -hmm. and and what he was producing was considered an ideal we've kind of Mm -hmm. shifted into a different ideal the last 20 years or so but during that period especially and even after that and during and even continuing to this day I mean he's doing some excellent work but through through that period and, and and into when you knew him what do you think was his greatest attribute as a as an architect
1: uh you know it was it was visuals were, were huge um and playability that, that that was the two biggest things you know that we always talked about and was important so framing you know that, that, the kind of words that some architects can't stand um was working you know in that time frame um and, and it does you know i think some people don't admit to framing or, or making something look visual but you know, everyone loves a great looking golf hole. Um, the ones that get taken pictures of are the ones that are visually the most interesting. You know, so why wouldn't you try to make every hole? Yeah, and they're
0: they're usually some, something framing the 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 lens. Right. You know. Yeah. I mean, just for a, like a mountain but...
1: or trees or rocks yeah. or whatever. You know, you're you're gonna do that, and so you know, sometimes we created those. You know, or we did it with earthwork. You know, um, where you gotta you know a landform. You know, the, we we made all that stuff look. I think fairly natural. I mean, there's some crazy stuff that we did, um, and then even you know, after that with Tim and David at still National work, you know you're creating an environment, um but it's framing, you know, it's however you want to look at it it's it's um and then you know, the playability, making the width there um so that the average person can get on with you know, losing a ball in every hole. um and the visual part that I think gets lost sometimes is just seeing where the hole goes and seeing where your shot's supposed to land. You know, I, I know there's a thing, you know, blind shots are kind of cool sometimes and, and sometimes they're, they're put in and, and that's great, but it, it's very uneasy for a golfer to do that, especially a player that doesn't hit it well, they, they tend to even hit it worse. Um, so making the landing area where it's it's set up properly so you can see it and that, that creates, you know, you have to do more earthwork to do that sometimes. Um, but it makes you feel better. Stay on the tee if you can see where the bunkers are in the fairway and the width of the the hole and all that, um, which makes you hit a better shot. So you enjoy the course more. Um, you know, there's a lot of courses I play where you know it's a lot of not blind but just semi-blind. You know, tee shots and blood pressure goes up. You know, um, and and that's good. You know, at times. But if you're trying to have a fun around a golf and you tend not t- be able to that well, you're gonna have a lot of lost balls, which is not fun. So. I think you know Tom was a really good, you know, or his, his people, you know, his people. I should say, um, did a good job of that all the way through, and still today, you know, do the same. And you know, like I said, it's a formula that works. Why, why change it? Um, and he doesn't care that he gets some criticism from other architects about that. What he cares about is the client, and that's sure. that's his other strong suit. Is I'm going to give the client, you know, what he wants, just as long as you know, not to say, oh, you know, if he wants you know uh a windmill out there i'm not gonna put a windmill out there but i mean if he wants you know just good solid playable golf that you know we can get around and it's you know maybe the strategies you're not as it's you know we worked on strategy all the way through and it was very important but sometimes you know maybe you don't do a couple things because it makes that hair more playable he'll do that um or want that and i think that's that's what's been great and he, he is a incredible speaker um and will make everyone around him love him you know when he's talking to him in uh you know at, at all these parties and stuff that you used to do grant you know, up grantings and stuff and he just has a way about that and it's you know i think it's partly why he got jobs early on and then his work you know um backed it up that you know he knew what he was doing
0: yeah it seems like it would be that ability to create these visually pleasing golf courses, which pleased his clients, therefore, and 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 uh, you know he's still got like twenty some courses in our top two hundred, you know, at yeah, Golf Digest. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, it um, it seems like that would have had to been cultivated over the years. It's not. I wouldn't think that's an easy thing to do, just to go out and make these like beautiful, photogenic courses, hole after hole, and knowing right. how to frame them and knowing how to create features when needed. That they yeah. and, and he would have to. A, in, in the early days, cultivate associates who were good at that and, and find yeah. associates who were good at that. And then that kind of became, a, it's not a house style, but it's a house motif or a house motive to to find people who at that point could continue doing that. And he would have to be less and less involved in that aspect of it.
1: Yeah. I mean, look at, uh, I mean, Andy Banfield at Shadow Creek and what he did there um, yeah. to create that site is kind of a, you know, a stepping stone to where things went from there on out. Um, you know, it's, and part of that, Steve Wynn, you know, he wanted it framed because of his eyesight. You know, he wanted to feel like it was, you know, this is all you're seeing in front of you. And and that goes into it, um, you know, and creating an environment and spending money and, and, you know, doing all that on a very flat piece of property that would not have been a great golf course if you just tried to f- make it work with what, what was there. Um that's where I think a lot of that springboarded forward um, and it you know a lot of our terminology and and what we were talking about from there on out was goes back to Shadow Creek and how that was created and, and the holes that were there.
0: Yeah, it's Fazio is just interesting because you know his career, as we just said, he he's been so successful, but in the last, and I, I know you're aware of this in the last 10 or 15 years. Tastes have changed, and and a a new generation or a new group of of architects have become favored. And and I know Fazio still gets great commissions and still has great clients. But he just kind of fell out of favor to a large group. And it kind of coincided with the the rise of social media, in a way. And Mm -hmm. and, and Mm -hmm. as the architecture IQ of the general public has has risen so much in the last five, seven years, and as more and more people are interested in architecture, he was just kind of, in a way kind of like the odd man out or along with this other group, it kind of became, you have the darlings over here, which, you know, the Gil (laughs) pants and Corcoran, Sean Doak. And, and then you have the dinosaurs, the, you know, the, the Reese Jones and and Fazio and and Nicholas. And I just wonder, like, I do think even though we're talking about how beautiful his holes are, it, it it somehow hasn't translated into the most visual of all mediums, which is like Instagram where you can, like you have all these people photographing, they, they, you know, old golf courses too, but but you know, yeah. abandoned dunes and and all the, the the new wave of golf course. So it's a social media thing in a way.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, and, and Tom is, doesn't sell himself. You know, he doesn't go out there. I mean, I don't. I still don't think he has a website. You know, or there was one that was kind of done, but not, yeah. not really. It never ever happened with it. So, I mean, a lot of his jobs, he never had to go find them. You know, back when we were working in you know in two thousand. I mean, people would come to him and please do this job, please do this job. And you'd have to turn people away. Um, so he stayed to that, I think all the way through, which is, you know, good for him. Cause he's still been super successful. Um, but he didn't try to, you know, post his new projects everywhere. He doesn't have a social media account. He doesn't. And I don't think anybody underneath him really does either that, that posts that much. So it's pretty tight, um, tight
0: lift organization.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I, I just, but they haven't had to, you know, cause they're still getting jobs, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, I think his record probably is all that you know of what what he's got and you know like you said the top 200 and you know residential courses and all that and success i mean that's i mean we'd all be happy with that kind of resume you know what he's done so um but that doesn't surprise me that he's kind of fallen off in the new way things are going it doesn't mean he doesn't build great golf courses anymore just they're just not pursuing it like some other people are as far or not pushing it i guess out there into the public so yeah now obviously the there's people that go play them and take pictures and send them out. That's, that's another part of it. But, um, a lot of his are private clubs, you know, that don't want to share, you know, their, their sweet little spot that they're in either. Um, so it's, it's going to be Raiders and, you know, and other people that can finally get on there that do it, but it's just not as as popular. Speaking
0: of, you know, very exclusive clubs that, that don't, Allow or want a lot of outside eyes on it. Is Scottsdale National, the other courses, is, is one. And you know, you helped. You've mentioned David Kahn and Tim Jackson a few times. You were very involved in that golf course. How did you? First of all, how did you kind of branch off and begin working with those two?
1: Uh-huh. So you know, two thousand nine, I think, is kind of when we we shrunk up our office a lot, and it was me and one other that were there. You know, for the next four years in the West Coast office, and you know we weren't super busy the you know the um the the amount of jobs had gone down you know tremendous you know with the housing decline and all that and especially for us because we're second you know second home golf course designers basically in a way um most of our projects you know we don't get the the fun ones by the by the ocean and right. saying you know, the ones we have to create everything with a bunch of homes you know not a bunch of homes but huge homes you know put around it sporadically so Oh, Scottsdale National. So yeah, so Scottsdale National. Um, so the last few years, I wasn't as busy. So I've been helping Tim and Dave a little bit, you know, with the routing part of it, you know, they had some projects and and um, they were, they didn't do routing very much when they were with Fazio because I was doing them all. So, you know, they had a few projects and hey, you know, can you take a look at this? Can you mess around with this? And so I would, I would give them routings and, you know, and some, most jobs didn't happen or, you know, a couple of them, you know, they utilize some of the stuff I was doing, but I was always talking. Tim's been one of my best friends since, you know, since I started with Fazio in 2000. So we, we talk, I just talked to him yesterday, you know, so we, we talk all the time. Um, so when we closed our office in 2013, I kind of like, I'm not sure I really want to do but I just kept talking to Tim and he's like, Hey, you know, why don't you do some stuff with us? And, and I'm like, yeah, I can do that. And so I, I filled in in a couple spots here and there for him, you know, um, Went up to Eugene, you know, when they were first working on that, Eugene Country Club right. and, you know, Hayden Lake. Um, some little stuff here and there kind of filled in, you know, a day or two for them if they needed somebody there. And, and then Scottsdale National came around and um, it's a big project, you know, it, it was, is it was taking, it would take a lot of creativity to come up with that, the routing and, and you know, different stuff. And it, and it, it evolved. I think Tim and David told you the story of how that all came about with the, the first 18 there and... He wanted walkable and you know they have those four mountain holes and we went up there and said, well, why don't we just make this into a part three? I can give you four four holes somewhere else. So I was big into that part of it, um, because it's routing and all that stuff. And then it, you know, evolved into buying more land and all that stuff. And then we got the 36 holes idea. Um, so I did a lot of the routings for that. Um you know, we were brainstorming different ideas. And it was a fun one because Bob put on us that it had to be every hole had to be super unique, like crazy unique. Not, you know, everybody says that, but like, he, he meant it more than anyone else, I should say, you know? So we were just kind of brainstorming, you're in the desert. It's really hard to get one desert course to look different. It than is. another So we're like, man, what are we going to do? And so, you know, a lot of that, you know, was earthwork and stuff, but you know, the six, 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 um, not the devil, but the six, 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 you know, idea, um, came about with, you know, six, five, six, four, six threes and, and making sure that none of them were repeatable. So you never went two fours in a row, never two threes, never two fives. So that, that was an interesting, you know, exercise uh, that I loved, you know, trying to make that work. And then he would throw curveballs at us, you know, like, well, I'm going to put the maintenance building here. Okay. That's where our par five seventh Can't put is Put it there. <laughs> and now I got to make that into a four. Now I got, you know, domino effect of three other holes. I got to figure out so we can keep that thing going. And, you know, I wouldn't want to, you know, I always says I, I'm a minimalist at heart, but you know, I've never been given really a minimalist property to work on for routing where you just, you know, you can just fit it in there. Um, Lost rail has been the closest, but that that still took some earthwork because, you know, you wouldn't be able to play today if I didn't touch it. But um, that site was totally devoid of, you know, anything interesting for the most part. A little spot here and there, but generally it had been graded by a developer with lots right. everywhere. Yeah. So you could put golf holes anywhere you wanted and do whatever you wanted because you knew you were going to create the entire environment. So that allowed us to do that kind of thing, but it's still interesting after you've graded out the entire site at one foot contours and then you go, okay, wait, I got to, I got to shift some holes and make them into fours and you know, another one into a five and, and make that all non-repeatable so we can keep that theme alive. But it does help a lot. If you think about it, you play a golf course that's got to run a three or four fours in a row that, you know, even if they, they have some variety to them, you know, it tends to make it harder to remember those holes. But you know, if you go from a three to a five to a four to a five to a three, you know, it's constantly changing um just from that so it it gives us a head start into the rest of the process which you know we spend a lot of time on detail
0: on i was just thinking about this because i was writing something um i'm going to write about the fourth green there and just the if you just look at the greens at scottsdale national and think about Mm -hmm. variety Mm there i mean there's 18 greens there that, that are worthy of study for anybody because it's it's 18 completely different concepts you go from a i don't know how big the the fourth green is there it's kind of like a half punch bowl that's fairly small yeah, then you go to the next green five, yeah. five which is twenty thousand square feet yeah. and then the next yeah. green is this weird boomerang shape and you know yeah. you just go on and on and on it's just yeah. like one interesting and then and then there's heavily contoured greens and glassy greens and it's it's really uh, uh, uh just a it's like a museum piece of, of different green <laughs> expressions.
1: Well, and, and like I said, you know, and we had to create them all. You know, it wasn't like you sat there and went, you know, walked up on, you know, between these two sand dunes and said, okay, you know, this, the screen's got this little contour. We're just going to, we're going to keep that. You know, we we had to create all that. Um, which, that's what's fun cool about it is you had no handcuffs. You could do whatever you wanted, but we felt like we had to make, Green after green different and, you know, by changing size, shape, angle, you know, and, you know, you're always trying to do that. But we had a little more freedom and a little more money to do it, too. I mean, building a 23,000 square foot green on number five, you know, it's not cheap. You know, at one point we had talking about putting irrigation head in the middle of it and, and all that, you know, but
0: figured out how not to. Um, by, the, by the way, I'm curious about how do you not. I've seen some really big greens lately and most of them have irrigation head right in the middle of them. Mm.
1: Uh. It was a combination of, um, well, there is a head under, it's just capped, but we never used it. We're going to use it for growing um, because we weren't sure if it could hit, you know, get enough water to the right places. But um, we have a little bigger nozzles on those, on that green. Um, And then you just have to make sure you're, you know, across in any direction from head to head is not too far. Um, So... If it's really wide in all directions, it makes it hard. And that one kind of is, but it, it kind of goes at a little bit of an angle. So we made sure that the the front left head and the back right head were, you know, covering each other um, with the nozzle size that we had.
0: So does it um, also have to do with wind? You know, on a windy like well, if, I wouldn't. I don't think that's a particularly windy place compared to other places in the U.S.
1: Well, yeah, but I mean, like Scottsdale's a funny place. You know, in the in the winter time. Um, in the mornings there's a northwest wind i'm sorry i got wrong. northeast wind and then it switches as it, once the temperature gets up um it's usually like 10 11 o'clock it'll switch to the southwest um on a windy day um and usually there's more wind out of the northeast than the southwest and when it's when it's at its peak um it's a little harder out of the northeast so you can but i mean you just never know which way it's really coming from so it's not as consistent as you would like to be able to do that, um, you know, some places like when you're by the ocean, you pretty much always know it's coming from the ocean, you know, so you can set up for that. But Scottsdale um, is a little—it just shifts around too much. And usually, it's not a ton of wind, but mm-hmm. um,
0: when it blows out of northeast, it's—it it's, can howl a little bit. So. You know, it's always surprising. You're walking across the green, even if it's 18,000 square feet, to see a sprinkler head in the middle of it. You're <laughs> like, well, it's—it's going to get in the way of somebody's yeah. putt at some point.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, but and, it might be. Also- these are
0: on really windy sites where that's yeah. maybe the consideration it helps um but
1: it, it you know you're always worried about it breaking too you know because especially that green um oh, yeah. where that sat if it leaked you know um there's a i don't that false fronts 10 to 12 feet tall i mean it's one of the biggest false fronts i've ever been involved in and steepest um we, we went to the limit on as far as percentage of what we've done before um that we knew that we could mow you know we actually have tested that before because Back in the day, we used to do a lot of flashes and stuff. Um, it's kind of right before me, um, Estancia, he has some pretty good flashes, you know, and, and the, the mowers would cut into a little bit. So you have to, you know, we tried to go, okay, what's the number that you won't do that. And that's what we did, but I mean, it's a big false front. So if that washed out, I mean, it would take out a good
0: part of that front of that green. Um, that's why we end up capping it and try to avoid it. So So Scottsdale national Bob Parsons gave you a, a concept, make every hole. Different and unique uh, at Mapleton and Lost Rail. Do you go into those projects uh, with a preconception in mind of of some concept or some model uh, that that you wanted, or some some mark that specific yeah. mark that you want to hit?
1: Um. Well, I, I mean, I you kind of do the same thing in your own head. Is that that's what you've always you know feel like you need to do to do a good golf course or a great golf course is it's got to have variety to it, and so. Some of the same concepts that we did there, just not to the same degree, but we also didn't need to, like, you know, like I said, we're that was a desert golf course. It's very hard to make any hole look different than another where, you know, lost rail is a little easier because you already have built in variety. Uh The ravine that's on our fifth hole with the railroad going across it, I've never seen anything quite like that. Um, I've seen ravines before, you know, but, you know, just the way it's set up and the verticals and mm-hmm. And the the railroad crossing, which is what the name came from, also going through that same area. There's not much you have to do. You don't have to build a crazy green or, or anything to do that. Now I did throw in a lot of bunkers there because I want to make sure that hole just completely stood out, you know, um, as a unique golf hole. Um sometimes people get something great and they're like, I don't want the golf hole to compete with the scene that it's in. And I do the opposite. I want the golf hole to equal the scene that it's in. Otherwise you lose the golf hole, you know, a little bit, you, you, you got to match it in my opinion. So, so yeah, there's that, but you know, and and I do the same thing with green sizes, you know, one of the coolest things that I think what people, I should say, this is what people say, you know, I I did it hoping for this, but the sixth hole is a long four. It's got the biggest green, which is about 12,000. It's kind of a rippling green that you can run a ball into because it's a long par four and um, sets up well. And then you go to the seventh, which is a mid four or four ten ish in the back i did two greens both one thousand square feet and one thousand square feet and they're still over uh, a creek so the 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 bigger one's barely over the creek and the the two thousand square foot sitting it's back a little bit and sitting up in some really natural contours that were there but i just went from the biggest green that you can run a ball into to the smallest green the two smallest greens and they're all they're both on the same hole and that variety stands out. I mean, you immediately, okay, I remember those two holes, boom, you know, and they were in an area that, you know, six is probably, you know, the tee shots really need the but the second shot's kind of out in the open plane and there, there's a hillside that comes down the right, but it's got a little less going on for it. Um, but you remember that hole because of those two holes put together and how they work. And actually those were the two holes that I was struggling with back when I couldn't fall asleep and how it was all going to work together. Once I found those two, cause I ended up reversing them. Um, hmm. It's uh it helped me go, okay, we, we've got it. But um, adding to it was, you know, that variation and, and certainly it helps people remember.
0: I noticed you have uh, the Pinehurst number two hat mm-hmm. on uh, in having conversations. I know, I think uh, David Kahn falls into this character or this category. Um, David Kidd. And I, I'd like to get your, take on it how much time do you spend studying classical architecture historical architecture people from the past and how how important is that in your practice and and, in your designs
1: uh i do a lot of studying i mean it is important um it's more just um you know you're always constantly looking for ideas i don't want to copy anything but you want to see what works what doesn't work why do people like this golf course that's something i always you know I spend most of my time, I'll go on Google Earth all the time. I'll look for pictures. I'll, I'll try to go to those sites whenever I can. You don't know, get to everyone. And I I probably should travel to those more than I should, or more than I have. But partly I couldn't because I'm constantly on the sites I'm on. Um, and don't leave them very often. But um, I uh, I always want to figure out why, you know, why is Shinnecock? so high in the ratings why is you know national golf links what's special about it what makes it different why is it the greens of the bunkers of the placement is the site because if you succeed at that and figure out what it is and, and put it into your own golf courses without copying it with with creating what what is the that stands out you're going to have a better golf course you know you're trying to just figure out what that trick is um so that that's why i i don't You know, the the whole template thing, which is huge right now. I I mean, I love playing template golf holes or, you know, greens. I think they're fantastic. I don't want to build a template green. I want to build something that people haven't seen before. It might have traits of that. Um, You know, there's a lot of greens that have a redan feature in them, but they aren't necessarily trying to be a redan. Wasn't set out to be that way, but it just works with the golf hole. Um, But I'm not going to purposely go put a, you know, beer it's green, on my site just to have a beer a screen, green um but it's certainly a popular deal so i like to look at that and see it but i just try to figure out okay what you know same thing on that why, why do people like that green what is it that makes it interesting what is it the because they hit a different club to the front and the back and they run a ball through it you know do they like it when the pins in the bottom what, what is it you know and then that's what i'm trying to study um so you know they the obviously Based on the top 100, the, the courses that were built 100 years ago are way up there, and and partly because they were built a long time ago, and partly because they're great, you know. And it's I'm trying to figure out why they're great, and, and incorporate that, you know, into the concepts.
0: There's certainly a, and I was I mentioned uh, David Kahn and, and Tom Fazio is like this this too in that you know he didn't really look to the past for inspiration. You know he 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 said at least in his book, and I'm sure he said it many other times that. You, know, you could admire those courses, but if those architects had the resources that modern architects do, those golf courses would probably look a lot different than they do. But there's, there's almost like a fetishism now in golf course design for old golf course. You know? and, and I just wonder if, if you, in your exploration, had determined if there's actually something merit, merit to that, or is it just a fetishization because it's, it's old? I mean, so, and, and I, I know that's, yeah. it's too big of a category because some golf, yeah, yeah, some yeah, older yeah. golf courses that legitimately are amazing. You know, you go there yeah. and, and, and you oh, yeah. understand it, but yeah. others, you know, you could probably put another group in a basket and, and they're, they're just, they're good golf courses, but that's it. Right. They're good golf courses.
1: Well, yeah, no, they're, um, it's a little bit of both. I'm sure. Um, I, I there's some really neat stuff that was built, so I'm not going to say, you know, that's not worth looking at and understanding why it was great. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, you know, I, I wanna figure out why, um and, and what it is that people like about it. But, you know, it's example of that, you know, National Golf Links, which is, you know, heralded by most people. Um I went there with some people and uh everyone but me didn't like the golf course.
0: Everyone but really you did you were the only one that did like it? I am the only one that liked it, yeah. What kind of group uh, of people was this? Good <laughs> golfers. Um did they were they the kind of people that knew about national before they got there or were you having to uh, explain the golf course? Not,
1: not to the degree. Yeah. I mean, that's part of it. you know, not to the degree that I, that I knew. And I, you know, and that's the part of it gets, it's very, you know, I answer quite as hard because that's, that's the, it's, there's no yes or no on that. Um, Cause the more you study it, the more your, your perception changes of it. And you understand why it is the way it is. It helps you like it more or, you know, understand it more. Um, I think there's, people that don't know how it was built or what it why it, and, and the setup of it and how it came about that if you don't have the appreciation it makes it harder to like that course because you know visually there, there's you know there's some holes i can see where they're having problems you can't see the bunkers everywhere you, there's some holes you hit it down the middle of the fairway and you don't end up in the fairway you know there's some some greens that are, you know if you hit in the wrong spot of it you can really end up in some tough spots and you know if you're if you're trying to score and that's all you're thinking about and not look at the broad picture of, of what happened there and how it got there. you, you I can see where you don't like it, you know? Um, like, I know it's catch off guard. I mean, I, you would think everybody likes that golf course, you know, cause it's, it's so unique and, and so different from what everything else we played and in a good way, you know,
0: but well, that's, an, that's it. so interesting. First of all, those that group you're with represented a, a massive demographic of players and golfers and potential yeah. clients and club members, even when yeah. Potentially, of course, as you're designing, so you kind of have to keep that in right. mind, I suppose, or no. not. I guess you could just say to hell with it i'm a, you know I'm, I'm not gonna well, no, that, but I hard. had the same experience. I played once with a guy with uh, somebody there, um yeah, who just didn't get it, and I'm yeah. like, well, do you understand like why this hole is this way, And you know he just it, it, it he was there to hit golf shots and mm. and you can All hit right. golf shots there, but you you know you're gonna see things that you don't typically see. And no, I don't know, you shouldn't yeah. have to explain it. Uh, it's okay. okay. Not everybody has to, has to get it or, yeah. or like it. Well, I think it's kind of like the old course, you know,
1: uh, going back to Bobby Jones and you know, the first time he played it, he didn't like it. You know, I think that's a course where you played a few times and you'll appreciate it a lot more. Um, and it's partly because if you haven't had the history of it you haven't studied it, I mean, I've been looking at that golf course. I have that old golf club Atlas book, you know, from, when I was oh the 10 world atlas
0: of, of golf yeah
1: yeah the world atlas I'm sorry yeah world atlas of Alice golf you know uh, not golf club I, yeah um but world of atlas of golf where it was it's the old green book I still have it um and it's in there and it's like I it was a weird you know kind of perspective drawing of it but those,
0: those drawings are so cool by the way oh it's awesome it's the, the and, first uh, generation of that book the original two I mean editions. that's when I got
1: yeah. I uh, that book got me started drawing I mean, one of the things that I started doing golf architecture was in church I used to go and sit there and turn the you know the Bulletin over, and I draw golf holes. I draw yeah. creek, I draw holes because I had that book, and I kept looking at that book and going, "This is the coolest thing ever." And that's so when
0: you would start to actually draw the trees almost from like that that forty five degree yeah, view yeah. instead of like straight down. It's sort of yeah. like that weird yeah. angle that those those yeah. layouts are are drawn at.
1: Exactly, you know, and and so you know, I've been looking at that course since then, you know, and all the way through, and and you know, with Google Earth and how you can get down there with the you know the three D rendering, contouring, and stuff that's on there now you get a really understanding of how the golf balls work and why. Um, so I'm, I'm ahead of the game as far as I didn't have to play it to understand it. But I think some of those people, if they played a couple more times, would appreciate it a lot more after playing it. Cause then they you kind of know where to hit it and why, and you know, the strategy of that course. So.
0: You have to not just that, but a lot of the old courses, links courses, you have to play with a sense of humor in a way you have mm-hmm. to see if your ball takes a funny bounce and you're in a bunker when yeah. you have to wedge out sideways, you, you can't get too mad at it. You know, you have to be like, that's yeah. golf. That's like the yeah. way that, that it was played for two centuries before you ever picked up a club buddy, <laughs> you know? Yeah. No, you, you just brought up a bad memory of mine from that course. I, uh, <laughs> and I should know this whole right off the
1: top of my head, but it's, it's the the road hole, but um yeah. number seven, so eight, seven. Yeah. I, uh I had like an eight iron into that green and I was, I was like one over, I was playing good and I hit it in that bunker and I think it was, Three or four shot. I don't know what happened, but I I left it in there three yeah. or four times. And <laughs> I, I was about ready to smack the guy next to me because he was laughing at me. But um, but yeah, I just then I laugh it off, go to the next hole, and, and you're fine, you know. But um, it's why that hazard is so great. You know, it can it can tear you apart, or you can hit a great shot out of it and be a hero. So um, or just avoid but it. That's
0: interesting because I mean, you it, I would want. If I were designing golf courses, and, and or, or in your shoes, you know, if somebody is going to play Scottsdale National, there's a lot of quirk out there, and you know, different. There's a lot of different things that might rub the the straight down the road player the wrong way, and and at Lost Trail, you'd want you'd want a, a somebody to, to play the golf course with a sense of humor, and and you know, you're going to get stuck in some situations that are tough. As, as long as next time you played, it's not going to be that same result every time, you know, there's a, there's a way to, <laughs> yeah. to play with a little more, you know, elasticity than, than just punishment.
1: Yeah, exactly. So Lost Rails is an ex- interesting um, change in my life because, you know, I did all these courses and never, i go back and play it once with, or twice, you know, with a buddy or, you know, with the guy that we, you know, the project manager that was on the site or the superintendent, you know, and I don't get the day to day, you know, of this golfer and that golfer. And well, Lost Rail because I'm semi-retired, know I played 109 times or something like that this year, which is
0: probably you more Lost the...
1: Rail 100. Yeah, 100... Wow. I played 100. Good for you. Um, I played all summer, you know. Um, so I go, and when I go, I play like 36 a day, and then you know for like three straight days, and then uh, I leave. And sounds back awesome. Home. Oh, it's great. You know, and we have a great membership. So, um, and I got, you know, a couple of groups that I play with, I have a, you know, morning group. And then I got this, um, low handicap group that, you know, we can kind of get two different games going. Uh, it's the problem with that is I get see every day. I'm like, please hit a good shot. Please hit a good night to the other uh, people I'm playing with. Cause I don't want them to not enjoy the round of golf. And you see some spots, you know, the and you're like, Oh my gosh, you know, he's gonna, he's gonna hate me, you know? Um, and uh it's hard you know because you're you, you don't ever see that on the courses you did before but at the same time you know the, you see the appreciation they understand the golf and then you play with them the next day and they don't hit in the same spot and but you know for the most part time it doesn't bug anybody and you know they hit a false front and they laugh at you know there's the, the third green is one of the biggest has pretty much our only false front it's tough um you get a lot of people going down there and you see them put it back to their feet. And you know that you just cringe every time you see that cause you want everybody to enjoy it, but they love the challenge of it. They love, you know, every time they come at a the hole, they have to think about that and, you know, um, and figure out how to avoid it. And that, that's part of golf, right? Just trying to figure out how to improve from the last time and learn from the, the last adventure that you had. And, um, that's in the end, it's fun seeing, but you, you can't please everyone all the time. And that's what you got to learn from this is um, not everybody's going to love what you do and, and enjoy what you do every time they play it or, you know, even the one time they see it. And that's
0: the, also the, the blessing and the curse of the, the one one time around player. You know, the mm-hmm. people who play national once and aren't yeah. having their best day are going to come away not not understanding it and not liking it. But yeah. if, if you play, if you're in a position where you can play golf course over and over again, you rarely come away with the negative view of it. It's yeah, it's more of a relationship yeah. that you develop with it. Absolutely, no. That's, it's, and, that's like I, I wish I had that because I in my travels I I'll go someplace and play one time, you know, or mm-hmm. I'll go to a city and, and play four different places, and then I'm on to something else. So I never really get that experience of immersing myself in the design and getting right. comfortable with it or seeing it play in, in a lot of different varieties. So you try you try to observe everything that's there look at different hole locations and and envision mm-hmm. that different ways of playing the hole, but it's still just one round. I mean, so you're just really just getting a yeah. snapshot impression of a golf course, no matter how much you try to study it.
1: No, that goes into, um, you know, Raiders, you know, like, you know, golf digest or golf week or golf magazine, you know, I wish they would go spend four or five hours just walking the course or riding around the course and just evaluating it and then go play so that they've seen it and they understand it and then go play. A lot of times they don't have time to do that. And that means any course, that's not just Lothrail or maybe or anything I've worked on. It's just, it's really hard. You know, like we had, um, the golfing guys, it was the hottest day of the year last year. It was 102 degrees in Omaha and it was humid and you got 27 guys out there and they're just dying. You know, they're just, you know, it's so hot. Um, even in carts, you know, which I, I prefer they walk cause it's super walkable, but because of the heat they had to, and you wonder how does that, Impression, you know, how do they get a fair impression of what they're looking at when they're just worried about staying alive and drinking water, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's a that's an extreme, but um, you, it's hard to evaluate a golf course just off a one time playing because, you know, what if you're hitting it bad and you're you're end up in the trees all the time? How do you get the feeling of walking down the fairway and understanding, you know, what it's like to be in that spot or, you know, just. Course plays different day to day, you know, and you don't get that experience of how it works. So it's it's tough for the one time golfer to understand a golf
0: course. It's very it's very tough, and we could spend a lot of hours talking about <laughs> course evaluations and ratings yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. rankings yeah. and how that works. Yeah, yeah. yeah no um, doubt. Right yeah, it's funny though that, that that is maybe one reason why historically Fazio's courses have always done so well, at least with in Golf Digest rankings, is because I would imagine that. Many panelists who go and play there had decent days. You know, they didn't you know, I wouldn't say Fazio courses are easy, but as you mentioned right. earlier, one of the right. goals is to make them a beautiful and be playable too. Right. So, right. you know, you can go out and shoot your handicap on uh, many of the golf, the new golf courses that people would see. So they would come through and get their one pass through and, and say, yeah. Hey, this checks all the boxes. You know what I'm looking for. Uh, right. Whereas a lot of the courses that don't strike them are, or are difficult, maybe not. So, although I shouldn't say that because there historically, there've been a, a lot of golf courses like Butler national and, and uh, oak tree yeah. th- that are super hard right. that are always have always been in our top 100. So at least golf digest panelists also like really hard courses. too. So. Well,
1: no, that's, that's It's a funny thing, you know, there, that just reminds me of another story. So um, yeah, sometimes hard equates great and and sometimes just the visual and playability equates great. But I remember um, there's a course in Colorado that we were, it's a, it's a long uh, par four and it was voted the, fourth most difficult hole in Colorado um it really should be a part five there's a creep that goes through it the second shot's way uphill you know and we wouldn't really even had to add a tee just we're going to remodel some stuff until we're going to move the green back 20 yards so it makes it you know 520 which at that elevation seems short but the second shot's uphill 40 feet you know so and no one hits the green in two as it is right now for the most part and so I'm having this discussion with the club and, you know, like if no one's seeing the green too, why is a part four, it should be a part five and you have a part 34 in the back, you know, it, it would make sense to, you know, just make it, you know, be a lot better experience for everybody. It's the same golf hole. Just change the part. Like, no, it's the fourth hardest goal. It's a great hole because it's hard Yeah. and we got to leave it the way it is. I'm like, It's still the same hole, you know, I don't understand, but okay. You know, that's, that's what they wanted. Um, so because they were known for it and it it was great, you know?
0: Well, that, yeah, if you're known for having a hard hole or being a hard course, it's that's a hard mentality to change. I do think it's changing that the next generation of golfers is not fixated on championship, quote unquote. Courses and mm-hmm. and distance and difficulty. They're they're more interested in other things, which is a nice turn of events. And those go, yeah. those there's always going to be plenty of hard golf courses. There's, they're not going to go out of style. So it's not a no. but it's not an ideal that courses should actively still be working toward.
1: No, I mean it's you know um, Lost Rail is a good example. You know you're trying to get this, and and um, so far we've succeeded. Uh, you're you're trying to test a good player as much as you can. But the most important thing is making sure the, the bulk of the membership, because that's you know, two percent of your membership or three percent membership, you know, enjoys and, and gets around the golf holes and, and is playable, and still shoot you know what they normally would shoot, and that's what we've got at Australia, which I you know was trying to get, but it's it's a lot of times it's in green contours and how you work those, um, but it, you know, uh, really good players have trouble going low there, you know, the 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 lowest scorers are still way higher than you would think they are, even when pros are playing there but you're not shooting, you know, your worst score, you're shooting, what you know, a normal score. So, like, if I play there a lot, I'm a plus one, sometimes, sometimes I'm an eight, I don't know where I'm at, but, you know, generally I shoot between 72 and 78, mm-hmm. you know, but I have a tough time going below that 72 number, but I never go over the 78 number, or very rarely, um, where other courses I play, I'll throw an 85 in there once a while, and I can throw a 68 in there once a while, but you know, so it's testing good players so that they they're, it's fair and they're, they're, but they're having a tough time going low. That's that, as an architect, I think that's what you want. You want to be able to say anybody can play a course, and they're not just going to rip it up. But you can't do that at the expense of the rest of the membership or or players, where they're shooting 95s when they normally shoot eighty-five. You know, that that's, it's a trick. Um, it's tough, but that's what you're after. So, and I think that's where golf, I guess, is going. Is you know, fairways are wider now. Um, generally that's what we did at, at Lost Trail. That's what I'm doing at Mapleton, you know, where you can find your ball and play it, but you know, you, you're holding accountable on, you know, the second shots and, and how you, how your green contours and how you're bunkered and, and strategy the whole, um, cause you can still have strategy with a really wide fairway. And that's, um, I think in the nineties and eighties, that wasn't believed you had to bunker it tight and you had to a long rough and long and, rough. And, you know, and that's, that's what made it difficult. And, you know, a lot of our stuff is built off of big contours and whether you catch the contour or not, or whether you, you draw it into the contour or you fade it with the contour and, you know, you you can get a 30, 40 yard difference in between, or 80 yard difference in between drives based on that. Um, And that's where the better player has to, you know, figure it out. And that's how they have a better chance of shooting a score where now you got those wide fairways for a guy that shoots 90 and he can still hit it in the fairway and still play it. And he's not trying to hack it out of the rough, out of trees, you know, back into the fairway. He can actually advance it up the holes.
0: I found that I've, I've diagnosed what I think is difficult in a golf course, you know, length. There's a certain length that's just too long for me to play. You know, you're hitting hybrids and, but, but thick rough is, is just, I mean, and I think, I think mid to high handicappers, I'm, I'm a, my index is like a seven right now, but it's, I just, it's hard to play out a thick rough, no matter, even yeah. if it's a wide fairway, but if, if the rough is really thick, I mean, that's just a, that's a brutal day on a golf course. You know, if you're, if you're off the fairway, even a foot and, and you can't advance the ball very far, that's just, yep. to me, it's like, I'm not coming back. I'm not going to, I have no, no interest in playing that golf course again, no matter what else. No, is and,
1: and, and if you have a 30 yard, 25 yard wide fairway, you're in that a lot, you know, um, So it's, it can be a brutal, I watched it, you know, and I've, I've been in it, you know, even, you know, or yeah, I didn't trees that too. Then you can't, there's no recovery, you know? And, and uh, we always say, you know, the best thing about golf or fun thing about golf is, is recovery shots. You know, how do you get back into play or, you know, hit that shot where, you know, you thought you were going to make bogey and you have a putt for birdie, you know, that's, that's the fun part of playing golf. And if you put in long rough and tight fairways, you don't have that opportunity very often.
0: As we wrap up here, Scott, i would going uh, to go back to the, uh, the national golf links. You mentioned that in Shinnecock, I'm going to assume that, that if you could only play one of the two, you only had one round, it would be national, but what's your, or, or correct me if I'm wrong, what, what round would that be? And, and how do you, how do you differentiate those two golf courses from your architectural eye?
1: Uh, well, I haven't played Shinnecock, which is really bugging me. Um, as much as I've studied that golf course and, and used it for study and, and, you know, inspiration, I guess. Um, I haven't played it. So until I play it, I guess I can't tell you between the two, I think, um, to differentiate, I mean, Shinnecock's more natural. It it flows. It, it, the, the way the bunkering is and the flow is much more what I'm used to. Um, And I I like the green roll-offs, um, makes it difficult, at least what I can tell. Obviously, I haven't played it, so I can't go, you know, into great detail on that until I do that. But, and I like the variety of the holes. Um, National's a little more engineered, a little more happenstance on where the bunkers are and what you can get into. Um, I like the green shapes and contours of National a little bit better than Shinnecock. Shinnecock can get, um, there's not as much variety to it, I guess, as far as what you look at. I mean, I'm not saying in the greens contours, but in the shapes and and how they're located. Um, where national has a little bit more of that going on. So, I guess what and I said that in that maple article, but I, I think I like I'd play a national or I'd like to play Shinnecock from tee to green and 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 national, you know, around the greens. Uh, would be my ideal situation between the two, and that may not fit everybody. But in my mind, right now, without playing Shinnok, that's what I would say. Um, so I don't. I, I like them both. They're just so different from each other in right the next to each other, which is crazy. Um, but yet, in the same, some ways, they're the same. You know, they're they're open. Um, the way that you know the fescue and the, and the bunkering and you know and the naturalness of it is is got similarities, but they're just they seem strategically so different.
0: Shinnecock's a big course. You know, to me it's a, to me it's a it's a cousin of Pinehurst number 2. You know, you mm-hmm. can yeah. uh some of the fairways have have a little more cant to them, but you know, you can you can drive the ball at Shinnecock. That's usually not a problem. Yeah. You know, you can you yeah. can if you're hitting it okay you get in the fairways, but the, but into the greens, those greens are nasty. They're vicious. They yeah. repel the ball like yeah. in so many different yeah. directions. You you just you don't know what's going to happen once that ball lands. It it can go in any direction.
1: Right. And so like, I mean, if you're playing on a day every day, that makes it kind of frustrating, you know, yeah. um, you figure it out, but it gets, and that's like Pinehurst. It's just, it's fun to play. I don't know if I want to play it every single day, cause it's just going to beat you up over time of, unless you can just hit the most accurate iron shots uh, of anybody, you know, for national, I think you have some options. You can use some slopes, you know, um, worked the ball a little bit. They're a little bigger, and, and certainly the shapes are completely different. So um, you feel like you're playing something, you know, a different hole all the time, which I like. Um, but yeah, Shinnecock looks really hard to shoot a good score so from from green from the fairway to the green.
0: Love it. I mean, it's beautiful. The, the property is amazing. It's amazing that those two courses are are touching each other because they're yeah. they're so different than each other. Uh, yeah, the flow, I mean, I, I know uh, you, there yeah. are similarities, just you know, with the, the textures, but Man, the yeah. architecture is so so dip- yeah. distinct.
1: Yeah, the flow, the way they use the flow of the land is completely different, it seems like, you know, between the two. Um, but it's cool. They're, it's a great spot. I love Long Island golf. It's, there's not much better than that. I yeah. mean, there's so many good ones out there.
0: I know. Other than Gauzer Ranch, what course would you recommend somebody pack their bags? What Fazio course should somebody pack their bags and go play right now?
1: That I worked on? Um Pronghorn's pretty cool. Um, I think it, it's surprising because it's pretty flat site. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, but the the rock outcroppings, the variety of the holes, where the fairway goes to um, is interesting. There's some places in fairways you don't think are fairway and they are. Um, the way you can use the slopes to get to greens, to get whole locations is a lot of fun. Now, I haven't seen it in a long time. Um, the way they maintained it when I when we built it was crazy. I mean, super fast greens, in a good way. We, we belted the greens for that. You know, they're, they're flat, but have interest, which is not, not necessarily easy to do, but you can, the way the fairways were cut and how fast they were, you could really run the ball around and use that as strategy, you know, um, to make you shoot better, you know, um, if you knew how to use it. But I don't know. I mean, they're, they're, they're all really good. I mean, Mars camps, a ton of fun to play, um, great setting, um, amazing property, um, shooting stars kind of a people don't expect that i mean and that was a dead flat site that we moved a ton of dirt that you wouldn't necessarily know but um just a cool setting you know just fun to play so no there's i think a lot of stuff out west that we did broke away a little bit from tom's normal um and the way we did the bunkering and try you know a little more uh, we, we pushed the limits so what we were kind of thought we should be doing. Um, And I think they turned out really interesting because of that. So all those ones we did out West, you know, I think are fun to play all of them. So
0: Other than a Fazio course or a course that you've worked on, what's the, what's your favorite modern golf course? Taking
1: anything I've done out, um, Friarsad. I really like Friarsad um continue it it's got the stuff we're talking about i mean the, the variety of the holes the variety of the settings um obviously there's um there's a lot of sand involved that always helps but um it's just the feel of the clubhouse the, you know the way it sits in there um it's one of those it's you know it's got the lost rail thing where you just kind of driving down this road and all of a sudden it, in this rural area it just kind of pops up and it's 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 an uh, amazing piece of property that, you know, they, they had to f- manipulate half of it, which I knew, which is cool, too. I can appreciate that part of it um, to make it fit with the rest. And I think, you know, I don't think crunch I like to do a lot of manipulating, you know, but I, they did such a good job there. You can't even tell what they did and didn't do. So it turned out, you know, fantastic. It's just, it's just fun to play in the variety of every hole is, not you know, one to the next. And the story it tells, you know, of how the holes work together is really well done, and that part I really appreciate.
0: It will take the right piece of land and the right set of circumstances for Scott Hoffman to be lured into his next job. He almost didn't sign on to design and build Mapleton, resisting the developer's early overtures. Eventually though, through many months of casual conversations and gentle entreaties, the challenge of routing the course on that particular piece of land won him over. And even then, there was discussion that maybe someone else would build the course after the holes were laid out. Not every designer will find themselves in the fortuitous position that Hoffman is in, but his patience and refusal to leap at any particular offer is a lesson that many aspiring designers, or any aspiring artist, might take to heart, be selective, and align yourself with quality at all costs. Bill Core and Ben Crenshaw have said no to countless opportunities to build courses on land they didn't believe suited their talents or their beliefs, and the result is a portfolio of courses with almost no weaknesses that in turn has led to an almost unmatched demand for their services. Tom Fazio was the same. After Shadow Creek, he knew if he didn't align himself with clients who could support his total site design approach, his products wouldn't reach their full potential. This is how artists control their destiny by making themselves rare and therefore desirable. Scott Hoffman is discovering that now, and the result is control of his product and his projects. Thank you to Scott Hoffman for joining me in this wonderful talk. Please subscribe to Feed the Ball wherever you get your podcasts, and I'll ask you to give the show a 5-star rating and to leave a review while you're there. You can also help do me a favor by introducing this podcast to someone who hasn't heard it yet. Past episodes of the show are available for free at FeedTheBall.com and on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. When you're doing laundry, please consider washing your clothes in cold water. It only takes the push of a button to avoid unnecessarily using hot water. Your clothes will come out just as clean, I promise you, and you'll be doing a small part in conserving energy and resources while saving money in the process. Cold equals clean. That's all for now. Thanks again to Scott. Thanks to you all for listening. Thanks to the Sundogs for the intro music. We've got another Feed the Ball Salon episode coming soon. And until we get a chance to do this again, adios.